are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was a mouth filled with laughter, and her tongue was singing, and said, Among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, wherefore we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. This is a wonderful psalm. Uh, psalms are different from other books in the Bible in two ways. We sometimes say the Psalms of David, but David didn't write all the Psalms. At least 11 were written by Asaph. Some others written by Ethan, one at least or two. At least one written by Solomon and one by Moses. And then a good number of the Psalms are not ascribed to anybody. They're not signed. This is one of them. This may have been written after the captivity. It sounds that way. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Oh, the heathen people said, hasn't God been good to those Jews? Yes, the Lord did great things for us, he said. And then he said, Lord, do it again. We had such a revival. Had so many people saved. Lord, do it again. All right, the Lord said, here's the way. If you sow in tears, you can reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. The Psalms are different than this, too, from the rest of the Bible. They are divided up by inspiration, separate chapters, separate Psalms. Now, in Isaiah, you just read right on through it. The old manuscript wasn't even chapter divisions. Good men put in chapter headings and chapter and verses so we'd find the place. But they were not chopped up. They were written in one manuscript. The Psalms different. Well, you notice then that uh, this, this uh, scripture said, didn't we have a good time? We want it again, Lord. Lord, revive us again. That song's a good one, revive us again, because everybody needs it again. Somebody wrote me the other day and said, Brother, I the church I'm in, there's a cold backslid, and maybe I'll leave it and go to another. I answered back and said, if you do, it'll be backsliding soon, too, because everybody backslides. Why does the Lord in the Lord's Prayer teach us to come every day and say, forgive us our trespasses, huh? Yeah, because you're trespassers, that's why. Because you're human and frail and you need every day a new cleansing. The 23rd Psalm says, He restoreth my soul. Oh, you need your soul restored, don't you? In um, Acts, uh, Romans chapter 12, the Bible said, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, you need renewing all the time. Blessed is a man that faces this matter. The flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You've got to watch all the time. Paul said, when I would do good, evil's present with me. He said, that which you would not, that I do. Wretched man that I am. He said, this old dead man I carry around with me. All right, so then uh, you need, uh, Lord, revive us again. And he said, now here's the way. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing shoes with him. You know, is that about soul winning in the Old Testament? Oh, yes, lots in the Old Testament about soul winning. Don't you remember in Proverbs 11:30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Winneth souls. In Daniel 12, 2 and 3, the men of the sleep and the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting attempt. But they be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. 
soul winning in the Old Testament. In Psalm 51, David prayed, Lord, my, this, my blood guiltiness, Lord, he said, cleanse me. He said, Lord, restore the joy of thy salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted to thee. Oh, yes, soul winning in the Old Testament. The one thing closest to the heart of God, Old Testament and New Testament, is get people saved. Uh, that's what all the ceremonial laws about. That's what the Passover lambs about. That's what the golden candlestick and the light that pictured Christ, the light of the world, and the bread pictured Christ, the bread of life. All this is about uh, Jesus. The serpent on a pole in the wilderness, that's Jesus on the cross. You know that? That rock smitten and out of it flowed the water in the wilderness. That's Christ, our rock and the water of life. Everything in the Old Testament about so many, everything in the New Testament. All right, now, first of all then, it's quite clear every Christian ought to be a soul winner. Uh, you, yes, you agree to that, except um, that's very nice in theory. You play that's all right. But down here, there are all fundamentals up here. Down here, a lot of you are modernists, you see. Um, but the truth is, everybody ought to be a soul winner. Soul winner is the main business of Christians. In the first place, uh, the Great Commission says so. As he said, all powers given me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations. But the word teach is make disciples. To make disciples, and then he said, then baptize them. And then while teaching them to observe all things, I commanded you. Didn't teach them the Bible. That's not what he said. He said, teach them to do, to observe, to do what I told you. Now, Peter gets the great commission, goes out, gets somebody saved, gets him baptized, and gives him the great commission. Isn't that what it said? Teaching them to do. Just what I told you. You mean every convert had the same command the apostles had. That's right. So Christians are the one souls then, aren't they? If a commission, someone said the commission, out of boy, they used to say, a great commission given to the Baptist church. In the first place, there ain't no such an animal as the Baptist church. There are plural Baptist churches, but a denomination, not a church. Not in the Bible sense and not in historic usage. All right, so... The Lord didn't give a great commission to any organization. He gave it to every Christian, individual. In Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. Let me see, how many ever heard the gospel? Let's see your hand. All right, you got a command. What is it? Go tell sinners, Come. See that? Um, what did Jesus die for? First Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation in Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. That's right, save sinners. Lost sheep are not, uh, lost uh, sheep is out, and so the, sir, the, uh, doth they not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until they find it? Now, uh, you preachers sure go to seminary, they'll tell you, spend your mornings in the study, study the Bible and the commentaries and all the books and get scholarly. In the afternoon, get out among your people and visit with your church members. Yeah, that's what they say, but the Bible plan is, both morning and night, your main purpose is to get people saved. The main purpose, that one lost sheep, not the night of nine saved. See that? Yes, sir. The preacher, any preacher whose main business in life isn't winning souls is a fake. He's a fraud. He's not earning his salary. Christians ought to win souls. I don't mean only preaching in the pulpit. I mean going to get people saved. You see that? The Lord Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Uh, what he's saying is, he didn't say that few preachers. He said if you are working, it's soul winning. Oh, preachers work hard. You've got to get out of church building, haven't you? You've got to have a meeting with the deacons, haven't you? You've got to write a little word about the paper and get the news in the paper, haven't you? And you've got to go by the grocery store and pick up some things for your wife, haven't you? And you've got to get your kids back from school, haven't you? 
And so the time you get through, you're very busy. Yeah, you're frittering around and so on, but you're not busy about the, what the Lord's called you to do. Uh, soul winning. He said, I'm a preacher, all right, but you ought to be a preacher. You ought to be primarily a Christian. And the Christian part's the soul winner part. See that? I was in Japan, and I spoke for a week to a group of preachers. I had 150 Japanese preachers for a week, and I preached on soul winning. Um, the 300 wanted to come. They couldn't find beds and rice enough for them. <coughs> so I, I talked on soul winning. One day a Japanese pastor got up and asked uh, Dr. Fred Jarvis, a missionary, he talked to him and said, tell Brother Rice. And this man, they told me, the pastor of the largest fundamental church in, in Tokyo, in Korea, now, I mean in Japan. And this pastor said, tell Brother Rice, I've been telling my people, I'm not a milk cow, I'm just a dairyman, I feed the cows. He said, I'm not a uh, hen to lay an egg, I'm just a fellow who keeps them and feeds the chickens. And then he wept and said, I was all wrong. I ought to be a soul winner, too. And said to the missionary, Will you ask Dr. Rice if I can come kneel down there if you put his hands on my head and pray God to make me a soul winner like I ought to be? And we did. And they later heard wonderful blessings going out to win souls. Yeah, you'd run under that. I'm the preacher. Yes, I know. Wouldn't hurt you to be a Christian. Is it all right for a preacher to be a Christian, too? <laughs> all right. Then every good Christian wins souls. And the truth of the matter is nobody ought to be a preacher until he's already a soul winner. Nobody ought to be a deacon if he isn't already a soul winner. Nobody's fit to Sunday school class if you don't win souls. Now you listen to me. The main thing to do for God is soul winning. That's what Jesus died for. That's what the Great Commission's about. That's what the church is for. All right. Everybody ought to win souls. So here this scripture doesn't say, now here's a select group of feet. No, anybody goes out, he said, weeps and uh, carries a precious seed, come back rejoicing with sheaves. Everybody ought to be a soul winner, and you can be. All right, now let's go to this further. Here, Lord, is here they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You mean shall reap. Oh, yeah, that's right. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again. Oh, no doubt about it. All right, here's a guarantee. Some years ago, I was reading an ad of General Mills, and it said, um, We guarantee a perfect, is in a woman's magazine, but I'm half woman, my mother was a woman. And so, uh, said, Well, we guarantee a perfect cake every time a better crocker cake makes. Well, I said, Betty Crocker doesn't have anything on the Lord. He can guarantee it, too. He can guarantee you go out and get people saved and come back rejoicing. If you do it, this uh, three simple things. Your heart, go with it. And a broken heart and tears, weeping. And with a precious gospel seed, and you come back to see. You won't get everybody saved, but you get somebody saved. That's right. Yeah. Well, you notice, Jesus had a soul and forth to soul, and some seed fell to the wayside. The birds got, oh my, that's too bad, lost some seed. Yeah, you talk to some people, won't listen. And some seed fell on stony ground, and it tried to sprout up, and the ground couldn't get any root, and the sun came out and blistered and died. Well, good night. What's that? The hard-hearted people you can't win. Well, what's you? Wait a minute, keep on going. Some seed fell among thorns. It sprang up, all right, but uh, brought no fruit to perfection. Why? That fellow still went on braiding tobacco. Smoking cigarettes. By the way, I was over in tobacco country in North Carolina, and they didn't like this. I wonder why they didn't. I said to them, according to statistics, there'd be 200,000 people die with lung cancer in America this year. 
I was telling you what all you people work at Reynolds Tobacco Company making cigarettes and all you people raising tobacco. I said, well, let's just pray that it'll be you folks over here that die instead of about you and other people. <laughs> oh, isn't that sensible? Well, it raises the Bible. If anybody's raising tobacco, if anybody's going to die, he ought, aren't they? Well, I'm making a cigarette. If anybody's going to die, he ought to. They didn't like that, doesn't somebody? <laughs> All right, now listen. Um, but the scripture here is guaranteed. You, so here the fellow gets them. Uh, gets saved. You don't have family altar. He gets saved. They're one soul. So there's the, the thorns around. And some Christians are in the thorn bed. And they don't ever grow much fruit to perfection, the Bible said. All right. But don't quit. Don't quit. The fellow feels bad. Go on sowing. So some free seed falls on good ground, brings forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Not 30 percent. Uh, 3,000 <laughs> percent. Um, 30 times the original seed. 60 times, 100 times the original seed. All right. So uh, he said, now here's a guarantee. You can't win everybody, but you can dead sure win somebody. Doubtless come again rejoicing when she's with him. This word. If you believe that and set out, you may have to talk to several. Sometimes maybe talk to ten to get one. But the more you get into it in prayer and the Holy Spirit leads you, you might get down where you want out of every four or five or six you talk to. But I'm just saying, as guaranteed soul winning anybody, you say, but I don't have a talent for that. If you did that, that wouldn't do it. Or you say, but I don't know enough Bible. Well, we'll soon settle that. You come to me after the service, and I'll show you how to find John 3.16 in your Bible, and then you're loaded. Now, you're bum. You're making lying excuses. You don't, you, what Bible you got, you learn some more, but you better use what you got. That's right. A Christian ought to win souls. Say, well, I'm not turned that way. Then I turn around. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, everybody ought to win souls. Now, here's a guaranteed way to do it. How am I going to win souls? <laughs> he that goes for it. How are you going to start working at it? That's where you fail. Say, well, brother, I'm trying to get ready. Somebody said, don't think about teaching people the Bible first. No, the first thing a young convert ought to do is like that woman at the well soccer. When she got saved, she left her bottle apartment and turned the town. And so the man, I found him of the size right up there with the well. You ought to come. And got people saved before they could even get up to see Jesus. Yeah. Young convert, sure. That's right. And um, when the Lord says, Andrew, uh, in John chapter 1, and the Lord John the Baptist being said, There is the sound, there's the Lamb of God. Oh, my. And uh, uh, one of the men heard John the Baptist, two heard John the Baptist, came to Jesus. They said, uh, Rabbi, where do you live? Would like to eat. He said, Come on, go home with me. And they did. And oh, they got things said, I'll never be the same anymore. And one of the two, now I'm quoting, one of the two that heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Um, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith him, we found, uh, we found the Messiah being interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He got to Jesus one night and four, the next morning four noon and got his brother. Save you, Lord, go right now. That's the main business for Christians. Young converts, old converts, nobody's a good Christian, don't win souls. Uh, now, what's it going to take? First of all, it takes working at it. Uh, that would be a good idea if you had set aside a certain time. Uh, but to get an education, you set time to go to school, don't you? Yeah. Well, in the house, wife, well, care? All right, so you have a certain time for meals, don't you? Now, if you've got this in your program and this is a big thing in your heart, you'd set aside some time for it, wouldn't you? Anybody sit out three or four hours a week, you win several souls. And if you send several hours a day, you win somebody every day. Anybody can. 
I'm glad Billy Carl's here. God has blessed him wonderfully. For 12, 15 years, he's won, I don't know how many recently, but usually I've kept of him from 7 to 15 or 18 a week. Average good deal more than one a day for 15 uh, years, I guess. And Christians can win souls, but you have to work at it. He that goeth forth. What's the first word in the Great Commission? Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Oh, going's first. Oh, you say, I'm a preacher. Yeah, I know. Uh, the call is more on going than it is on preaching. You know that? And the preaching in that kind, that Great Commission, is the individual, not congregation. Every creature. Preacher called every creature. Every creature. See, no matter how good much theology you have, you're no good to God if you don't go after him. You know that? Yeah. Um, if you're going fishing, you know the fellow puts in more hooks, catches more fish? You know the fellow that sows more seed, gets more crop? You know the salesman that visits more prospects, makes more sales? You know the politician that shakes more hands and makes more speeches and kisses more babies, more likely to get elected? He gets more votes. So um, the best soul winners are the ones that work at it most. You just better put it down and say, I'm going to put this in my program, and certain hours of the day or certain hours of every week, I'm going to set aside to get out to get somebody saved. And you can. All right. So going, going after them, that's amazing. He that goeth forth, he that goeth forth. And so, well, you say, Brother Rasmus, you know, you tired to get sinners. No, you know. Somebody told you that, and you're looking for some lying excuse to make up your disobedience, and so you put it too. Yeah, hard. Oh, this is brother, I sinners are hard. Don't come to church. Truth of the matter is, the Bible never did tell sinners to come to church. Told the church to go to the sinners. That's, that's God's plan. That's right. And so I said, well, uh, one fellow said, brother, I we can put out on church bulletin, and people know where the church is. If they want to get saved, them come back. Well, that's your idea, isn't God's idea? God's eyes to go to all the world. The Great Commission, you remember that banquet? The king made a, a man made a banquet and bade many, and he sent a servant, and they began to make excuses. He said, Get out of town, get the poor, the lame, the halt, the blind, the skid roll bombs, hurry up, not everybody in town. Came back and said, I got a bunch of, Lord, but need some more, got some more room. He said, Get out in the country then, and I was in hedges, and compel them to come in. Oh, you mean that? Well, <coughs> you say, Brother Rice, you can't compel people to come to church. You tell God that. He said it. I didn't. He said it didn't. You know, tears, tears have wonderful compelling power. That's why you women use them on them sometimes, isn't it? You know, Holy Spirit power, that can compel. You know, if the Bible is real, like a fire, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, um, that's pretty compelling, isn't it? If it's sharper than a two-edged sword, you know, sticking the fellow of the sword, that, that, that gets an idea to move right away. Uh, don't you think that, that um, the main business is, is, is just to go, you know, the main thing about souls is go after them, he that goeth forth. And the fellow don't work at it, doesn't win souls. Well, it's, I don't feel impressed. Uh, why don't you go tell God and say, I don't feel impressed to do what you told me to do. Well, I'm not impressed about soul winning, that's because you're not right with God, and you don't feel like doing what God told you to do. And what I pray about, I pray God to give me a more moving and heart and burden of soul, so I'll have to go. See that? Um, so, all right, the first thing to go. Then he, uh, I found this interesting that all those people that can win, I went to Spartanburg, South Carolina, a great church, a big Southern Baptist church, asked me to come 
Five nights of soul winning. Next Sunday, begin a revival campaign with the state secretary. And uh, so asked me to come, and I preached on Monday night on this scripture here. And I said, how many here believe this is true? That if you go with a broken heart and use the word of God, beyond any doubt, you bring back some sheaves. That's what it said. How many believe that? Yes, sir, they did. I said, how many do it this week then? How many this week will do it? So we have somebody walk that aisle first service Sunday morning. And a good number. I guess about 30 of them or 35 more. They stood 40 maybe. They stood. I said, will you this week you'll go out after I will. And so I said, come on to the altar. We'll don't have room to deal. We'll stand here and dedicate ourselves. And we did. And a good many tears. And I was blessed. I know the people met business. We closed the service. And next night came back. I preached on soul went again. Again, many promising God what they do. And um, I had Brother Anderson leading prayer, and I went back to the door, and I said, Lord, I didn't win about it today. Um, I put me out in the motel in the country, and I went to the man in the dining hall. He said, yes, he'd done been saved. He's uh, called a preacher. He called saved a month to go to Bob Jones University. And I said, Lord, I, I don't leave here without somebody. I went back to the door and just jammed the door and went a little bit about it. I found out where they saved. Along came a boy. A young fellow. He sat on the second seat right about there. And he came down, he came out the door. I said, Hello there, what's your name? He told me. How old are you? I'm 16. Are you said, Are you saved? Sad face. He said, No. I said, Wouldn't you like to be? And instead of answering me, put his face on my shoulder and began to sob. 16 year old boy, get as big as I was. And so I said, I'll show you how. And when the scripture is so plain, God loves you, Jesus died for you. And I told him about that publican and temple pray, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And I said, the Lord liked that. Would you like to pray that prayer? Yes, he would. God be merciful to me, a sinner. I said, now add to it and say, and save me for Jesus' sake. He said, yes, Lord, save me for Jesus' sake. And I said, we've asked him to save you. And he said, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you willing to take him up on that? Here and now I'll trust him. Yes, sir, I will. And can we shake hands on that? That here and now you take him, he'll save forever. Yes, sir, we shook hands. And I showed him John three thirty six. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. I said, Have you believed on him? Yes, sir. You relied on Jesus, have you? Yes, sir. What do you have? He, he says, Jesus said, I've got everlasting life, doesn't he? I said, Yes, sir, he <laughs> I said, You won't tell the pastor? Yes, let's do. Yes. So down we came to the front, the pastor down here. And um, so I um, said, Brother Pastor, this boy here, is um, his name is so and so. He's got something to tell you. Oh, the pastor said this boy's a regular here. Said he's a buddy of my boy. Said he's over to my house two or three times a week. And he said, Brother Pastor, I've been saved. Well, the pastor said that's good. And the boy said I couldn't wait any longer. I took. I said, You want to see the pastor's wife? Yes. She's over in the corner here, and lots of women around. You'd never guess what they were doing. Well, they were talking, and so I took him over there to see the pastor's wife. And I said, uh, Miss Anderson, this boy's name is so-and-so. He's got something to tell you. Oh, she said, I know him. said, he's a regular in the intermediate training union. Oh, so to see him every week, he's regular. And uh, he's told her he'd been saved. Now, listen, this boy, every Tim sure, listen, he had more regular had to play a certain seat. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, prayer meeting. We have five nights teaching soul right in that seat every time the church door open. He's a buddy of the pastor's son, the pastor's son, already called to preach. Later, Dr. Howell and I were down in, in, um, Port Worth and that Sums in Southwestern Seminary and came out here. Boy, I called to preach and that's his buddy, not saved. He's in the pastor's home two or three times a week. That's what the pastor said. The pastor never mentioned it. 
He said, they'll meet a training room, then sponsored by the pastor's wife and the most regular there, and nobody ever talked to him. And when he was saved, he said, I couldn't wait any longer. You can't find anybody, can you? You lazy bum, you're not trying. You don't care, that's the trouble. You find somebody. Yes. Isn't that a strange thing? I used to live, after I left the pastorate, I moved down to Fort Worth, Texas, and built a little home right by the Southwestern Seminary campus, campus 4422 James Street. And I was out in revivals, and my wife went attended Gamble Seat Baptist Church, the seminary church there. And uh, I attended a class of women, a hundred women, taught by Mrs. Dr. Scarborough, wife of the president, noble, good woman. And uh, so I came home revival. She said, honey, uh, in the Bible class I attend, there's a woman not saved. Only one, a hundred women, she's the only one not saved. And I guess she must be awful gospel hard, and I guess everybody's talked to her. But I feel all to see her. Will you go with me to see her? So I said, yes. Ms. Rice called the lady and said, will you come over and babysit, take care of my little girls? I, I, I'm going to soul winning. Yes. And Ms. Rice said, now, this is a hard case. I may be gone all afternoon. Don't you leave. All right, I'll see you get back, she said. So we walked across the campus and across the Santa Fe Railroad and up to Doug Scarborough's house and turned to the left and down ways and four, five doors, through four doors, and knocked on the door, and a lady came to the door. And I thought, oh, she may ball us out. Because I guess she's gospel-hardened. But she said, oh, Mrs. Rice, well, come in. Well, isn't this nice? Is this Brother Rice? Come in. Come in. I'm so glad you came. Went in. And I thought, now, I've got to slip around some way, you know, and bring this up quietly. And it's got to slip up and make friends, you know. You know, sometimes you're so tactful, you don't make contact, huh? <laughs> and so I thought, that how can I start the conversation now? Well, there's a nice Bible, beautiful Morocco Mound Bible. And I said, say, that's a nice Bible. Yes, the lady said, my mother gave it to me last Christmas. I'm proud of it. Well, I said, I understand you're not a Christian. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you were a Christian, you could read that Bible every day. She said, very grave. She said, we do already. She said, since every, every night, we read chapter every night since Mother gave to her last Christmas. Well, I started over and I said, well, but if you were a Christian, you'd get out and pray and ask God to keep you through the night. Thank him for the blessings of the day. I said, wouldn't that be nice? And she said, we do. She said, read chapter every night. And I kneeled by my chair right here and my husband kneeled by his chair right there, said, and we both prayed, said, we've been doing that ever since Christmas. Well, at long last, began to soak in this dull brain of mine. I, I said, well, why aren't you saved then? She said, I do all I know. I go to church. I go to Sunday school, read the Bible every day. I pray every day. I don't know how to be saved. <laughs> I said, God bless you. You shouldn't go to find out how. <laughs> and I took that new Bible. And in five minutes, she was a happy, rejoicing Christian. And we went back, and Ms. Rice told her babysitter, never mind about saying all afternoon, she wasn't as hard as we thought she was. <laughs> about a woman in class of a hundred women. Listen, half of them are preacher's wives or seminary professor's wives. And a lost woman in the class. Nobody ever tells her how to be saved. She's going to Sunday school. She's reading the Bible. She says prayer every night. Yeah. No, you can't find anybody, can you? I got on a plane at Nashville a few months ago. And I am in Delta Plain, and I sat down. young woman came by. I guess she's 27 or 8, maybe. And she came by. She said, say, aren't you uh, Dr. John Rice? I said, yes. She said, I saw you at Chattanooga. She said, I've got to talk to you. I also thought the plane was crowded, so got to Chicago Airport and got out and do her side. And she said she wanted to be saved. 
So when the plan of salvation, and she claimed she had trusted the Lord, and she said, just as soon as I get a room by myself, I'm going to get right down on my face and tell Jesus I'm his forever, and so on. You can't find about it, can you? No, you can't find about it. No. He that goes forth, yeah, you can find them. There's plenty of them. Sure. I taught the whale in college, Plainview, Texas. I was football coach there and basketball coach and my teacher. And uh, one day I had a faculty meeting. Dr. Atwood, the president of the college, said, I've been going over the list of students and said, I'm surprised and shocked to find some of the students not saved. And, and most of all, the president of the senior class is not saved. So he's the best student that Wheaton College ever had. I mean, that Mer- Wayland College ever had. Average of 98 and three quarters on everything he made or something like that. And said, I'm surprised you're not saved. He'll be valedictorian, I guess. He's the president of the senior class. And said, um, and Dr. Pipe, the head of the Bible department, woke up and said, well, in all the Bible classes, he makes better grades than the preachers. Well, Dr. Atwood, the president, said, you know, I teach a few extra Bible classes. He elected extra courses in the Bible, makes better grades than them, the preachers. And Dr. Atwood said, Mr. Rice is on your football squad. Don't you think you ought to talk to him? I said, yes, I ought. So I met him in the hall and uh, going to class. I said, Herbert, you got a class at 11? He said, no. Will you come up to my room? And he did. And I said, Herbert, I understand. I locked the door. I said, Herbert, I understand you're not a Christian. Wouldn't you like to be a Christian? He said something like this, how can I be the kind of man I want to be unless I'm a Christian? Of course I do. So I said, oh, we knelt down. I took the New Testament, one of the third chapter of John. You must be born again because you're born wrong. You're sinful. And um, you don't take Christ, you're going to go to hell. But God loves you. Jesus died for you. And here it says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Are you ready for us to ask him to do it now? Yes, sir. And we prayed. And I said, now, he said, if you trust in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you ready to take him up on that and depend on right? Yes, sir. I thought he'd be glad. He rose to his feet and began to sob, put his face on my shoulder, just cried like a baby. I said, what's the matter, Herbert? You know, said, he said, nobody cared whether I was saved or not. His daddy was a Baptist deacon. He attended the First Baptist Church. Attended young people's class, young men's class every Sunday morning, training union every Sunday night. When he finished high school, his dad said, Son, you work hard. You made good. You can have your choice. You want to go to Canyon Normal, West Texas Tech, or go to this Christian Baptist college right here? I want to go to Christian school, he said. So he came out there and elected all the courses in the Bible he could. Every teacher in that school was a fundamental Christian. Have my preacher, have my football squad with preacher boys. And nobody ever talked to him about the Lord. Uh, you can't find anybody, can you? No, the truth is, you're not going. Well, put this down. The main thing about soul is to go after them. Uh, suppose somebody, you want to be a fisherman? You got to go fishing there, don't you? Yeah, suppose you put a tub in the backyard and sit on the back porch and fish. No, you don't. You go where the fish are and fish for them. And if you go out looking for souls, you can find souls. You won't find that you can't get everybody. You can get somebody. That's what the Bible guarantees. And he that goes forth and weepeth. Why don't you make a plan of it? And he that goes forth and weepeth. Come down to the brass sacks of it, you know, we don't have enough tears among Christians. We don't have broken heart. Paul said in Romans, uh, I mean in Acts chapter 20, he came to the elders at Miletus, and they from Ephesus brought him out to Miletus. He said, I charge you, he said, I'm free from blood of everybody in Ephesus. If anybody goes from Ephesus to hell, I'm not to blame. I didn't shun to declare the whole counsel of God. I taught you publicly from house to house. In verse 31, he said, Wherefore, remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn men night and day with tears. Night and day with tears. That's the way. 
He didn't say that. Cease to announce and prepare nice sermons and uh, and have formal worship service. He didn't talk about that. He said, uh, "I just warn people night and day." Yeah. So he said, "If anybody goes here, I'm not to blame." I was in old Ephesus three years ago or so, and uh, now a lot of it's been excavated. There's that great stadium still there that in the 19th chapter of Acts, where they dragged them. These Christians are going to want to lend some missionaries. That's still there. Streets are still there. And uh, so the houses are torn down, but there's the entranceway to the houses from the street. And I can just imagine Paul going along 11 o'clock at night and knocking at the door <laughs> and, and weeping and said, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't sleep till I had to tell somebody else. I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus. Or should you? You're not um, here to have to. I know I know I'm a Jew, but I know how to be saved. I want to tell you about Jesus. Night and day with tears publicly and from house to house. Say, that'll get the butter. Now, come on it, hmm? Public from house to house, and night and day with tears. That's right. So Paul could find somebody, night and day with tears. Would you care if some friends you met day by day should never be told about Jesus? Are you willing that they in the judgment should say, no one ever told me of Jesus? Huh? You see, the plain truth is you're not enough Christian. That's why you're not a soul winner. You don't have a heart enough for it, do you? You see that? That's what, that's what's the matter. We need to have concern of soul. You know, tears, they're wonderful quality in tears. They move men. They move God also. <laughs> you remember Hezekiah? Lord said, Hezekiah, put your house in order. You're going to die and not live. Said, Isaiah, go up and tell him that. Well, Isaiah went up and told him. Isaiah said, outside, big boy, I'm going over your head to the boss. <laughs> and outside, he turned his face to the boss and said, my Lord, you know, I've served you. I want some more time to serve you. Now, Lord, and the uh, Lord says, Isaiah, have to go back. Well, Lord, you know, I dressed up my best of good and told the king, I know, but you have to go back. All right. Now go back there and you tell him, you'll quit crying. <laughs> I've seen thy tears. I've heard thy prayers. If you quit crying, I'll give you 15 more years. <laughs> you don't you think tears would move God if he cares you? If a mother cares for the oh, little child, falls and stumbles and skins his knee and cries, and my mama kiss it, and don't you think a mother cares? Don't you think God cares about his children? All right, so if you want to be a soul winner, you're going to have to learn to care about it. Uh, Jesus looked on the multitude and had, was moved with compassion on them. Easy compassion, don't you? That's going to mean sometimes you'll stay awake at night crying and praying over sinners, and sometimes you go in all these hours and get people saved. I was just strong in Texas. <laughs> I preached on soul winning. And I said, we ought to go on. Somebody ought to go tonight. And the fellow said, my father's unsaved. So we went in the middle of the night and woke him up and got him out of bed and got him saved. You know, you can get him, wake him up in the middle of the night. The fellow, you take that a little serious. You may get mad, but if you don't get mad, you're going to do something. And he got saved. I was in uh, Paris, Texas, in revival services. Oh, we had a lot, hundreds of people saved. Great services. Open air campaign. And I went back to the family, the Leaf family where I stayed. And 11 o'clock at night, the phone rang. And I was, uh, in my room, but not undressed. And, uh, and, uh, oh, believe it. And so, uh, telephone rang. And the girl at the house said, Brother Rice is for you. And a woman said, I came to the phone in the dark. The woman said, Dr. Rice, she said, uh, she said, I'm coming out there right away. I want to see you. And so on. Well, all right, so I went out and put some clothes on, got out to the gate, and so first thing I hear came a car up there and skidded to a stop, and the lady 
Oh, his circle boy said, get in, get in. Well, I said, what about? He said, never mind, I'll tell you, sir, okay, get in. I got in the car, and she lit out, and I turned the corner on three wheels, and the tires are squeaking, and there a hysterical woman in the middle of the night taking me off somewhere. <laughs> and got straightened out, and she stepped on the gas down that road, and she said, my boy, she'd been saved in that meeting. She had a boy of 16. And I said, to, oh, she said, it's good, but I said, you better get him down and get saved. She said he works for delivering for the drugstore and said, the only night off he has is Saturday night. And so I said, then get him here Saturday night and get him saved. Oh, she said, he's a good boy. He'll be saved, all right. You don't worry about him. I don't feel like taking away the only night he has for pleasure. And I said, you better get him saved. And um, now she said, you know, I've told you had plenty of time. He said, he's coming home on his bicycle from his delivery work tonight. Drives along the sidewalk. And the black widow spider fell down his neck on the tree. And said, nearly died. We got him under sedation. Doctor's been out there now, and so he's under sedation. But she said, I can't sleep another night till he gets saved. So when they woke him up, and she's, she shook him and said, wake up here, son. Wait up. She heard Brother Rice. You got to listen to him. Sit up in bed now. And so, no matter what the dope he'd been, he got up and so on. And she said, you got to be saved. And I said, well, her crying and me talking, he was ready right away and got saved. Yeah. I'm just saying, um, if you don't care about souls, then you're kind of a hypocrite in the Christian profession. If you don't weep over sinners and care about sinners, something bad wrong your heart. You know that? Yeah. So that's the way to get people saved, a holy concern. Holy concern. Aren't you, Caddy, sorry you're sorry about your coldness of heart? I know thy works, God said, you lay, lay out of sins. You're not cold, you're not hot. I wish it was cold then. then I wish you didn't claim to believe a thing if you're not going to be red hot. Huh? I would not be cold or hot. So then because thou art neither cold nor hot, it said, you make me vomit, I'll spew you out, God said. There are too many these. You know, I'm no modernist. No, no, you're not a modernist. Up here you're fundamental. It don't last very far. It didn't reach down as much as six inches below the uh, collarbone here on the left side. You see that? He goes forth and weeps. So if you want to souls, or go after them and what? And weep. And what else? He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. How, what kind of gospel? Oh, he said, I don't know no Bible. Well, let me tell you a very simple thing about this matter then. First of all, people are sinners. Nicodemus got to be born again. You, you tell people that, didn't you? You already know that, don't you? The sinners. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. What else? <coughs> Wages of sin is death. Even John 3.16 says, if you believe, you won't perish, but if you don't believe, you'll perish. John 3.18 said, you're already condemned. John 3.36 said, the wrath of God abides on you right now. Put there. Now, could you show people that, that you're a sinner and you're condemned unless you trust Jesus? But God loves you and has Jesus died for you and paid for all your sins. And third, fourth, and you can trust him and he promised to give you everlasting life right now. You know that much, don't you? Huh? Well, then, all right, you've got to be a pretty good doctor. You get people saved. Oh, you see, the truth is the gospel, sweet gospel. Oh, you might put it in other words, like John 6, 37, Him that cometh to me, I'll no wise cast out. If your heart comes with penitence, you can be saved. Who, John, uh, Romans 10, 13, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, you get people to call God for mercy and forgiveness, couldn't you? Something takes faith to be saved. Yeah, if you've got faith enough to ask, you've got faith enough to get it, too. Yeah, sure. You see, um, plan of salvation is so simple. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubt us come again rejoicing. 
Or why don't you say, I'm going to put this in my program? And I'm going to ask you a question. Don't you believe that every Christian can win souls and ought to win souls? Well, let me ask you another question. Don't you believe if you set out and spend several hours a week, three, four, five, and several hours a week, you could win somebody every week, couldn't you? Huh? Yeah. Well, what about a fellow that says he's called to preach and gets money to be a preacher? Don't say anybody then that he doesn't win souls. He's a cheat. He, he ought to get out. And, a preacher don't win souls. You ought to get out and get some way you can make an honest living. Digging ditches or on the filling station some other way. Yeah. Because a fellow, uh, a preacher's salary ought to be paying him to do God's work, doesn't it? And the main work of God is soul winning. Isn't that right? That's what the Great Commission is about. That's what preachers are for, isn't it? If you don't do that, then um, I'd come to the morning and get right and go to doing right like a preacher is supposed to and a Christian is supposed to. I'd just take down my sign and quit pretending I love God. Christians ought to win souls. Well, what are you going to go after it then? When I was pastor in Dallas, Texas, I went there in 1932 and started a big open-air revival campaign. And we soon organized the church. And the next spring, we had over 300 members. And on June the 25th, 1933, I preached, started revival. I preached on how to win a thousand souls by Christmas. And I said, now, we'll have this auditorium seat, 1,400, the new tabernacle, but that won't be enough. And we'll win lots here. We'll have a tent revival over in Trinity Heights. And we did. I said, we'll have a big open air revival down the main street, the other side of town, Dallas. And we did. And I said, on every Sunday afternoon, I'm here, I'll be preaching down to the monkey cage in the park, Marcellus Park Zoo in Oak Cliff. And I said, we'll send a team to the county jail and the city jail every week. And we did. And we'll send Bob to Park, Parkland Hospital, where Kennedy died. I'm just saying all that. But that's not enough. We're going to have to have individual take our quota and how many we're going to win. I said, I'm going to show you how to win a thousand souls by Christmas. Uh, June 25 to December 25 is exactly six months. I said, we got to take a quarter and set out how many you're going to win. And Mrs. Rice said, well, Mrs. Jones said, um, so this week how she won five. She was so happy. She said, I think I ought to win 50. I can win 50 by Christmas, I believe. I'll set out to do it. And Mrs. Hardest did a little seamstress. She never been to Bible college. She never even taught a Sunday school class. And she said, if Mrs. Rice comes in 50, I'll win 100. Of course, she's got little girls to take care of. She's got a big Sunday school class and beautiful pastor's wife. All right, she said, I'll set out to win 100. Ms. Middleton said, I think I can win 30, and others took quarters. Well, what a wonderful six months we had, and the end of that time, at the, uh, two or three days after, uh, after the first year, after Christmas, we had reports all in, a record of a thousand and five professions of faith in that time. Wonderful. One night meeting Ms. Hardy, we still ever had reports. Mrs. Rice, instead of 50, had won 101 in that time. And Ms. Hardison, instead of 150, had won 100, about 160 in that time. And Ms. Hartson stood up in the door meeting on Ewers Watch Night meeting. We made holy vows. She said, I'm going to set out to win 500 next year. Oh, my. I mean, she got them Catholics and Jews and drunkards, old men and young men, and so on. And the year went by. We had another Watch Night meeting. Ms. Hartson stood up weeping and said, Brother Pastor, I failed God. I set out to win 500. I could have done it. I didn't work at it like all two. I didn't do it. She had only won 367 or 8. I didn't tell her that morning. A lot of you preachers, most of you preachers don't win that one in 10 years. Yeah, she's just a seamstress, uneducated. Yeah. Why? Well, work at it. That's it. Now, don't you think if you took a quota or set aside certain hours or, and so on, 
I, I suggested in 1965 we could only find uh, 20 churches in America that uh, professed to baptize as many as 200 converts. Twelve of those were Southern Baptist churches. And Dr. Lee and Dr. Jack Hiles and Dr. Rawlings and a few, and Beach and Bick and a few others, not those other eight. And so on. I said, uh, let's set a goal. And I began to push it. And six, 76 or 78 churches and pastors took a goal and promised that God that year they'd try to win 200, baptize 200. Most of them succeeded. Some did not, but those uh, that the government told me it didn't, didn't quite reach for 200, but I baptized twice as many converts as I had before. And that went on. Then after a couple of years, I published a list of 90 churches that baptized over 200 converts. And last year, I published a list of 124 churches baptized anywhere from 200 up to 7,000 converts per church. Uh, those 124 churches had baptized a list of 54,000 more. Yeah, and so on. Why, well, set a quota, put that first. A little working at it, that's right. Oh, one pastor some years ago said to me, well, then he said, well, I'm Brother Rice, he said, I'm pretty sold with it, but wouldn't it be all right to have Sunday morning service, a formal worship service, like they're used to, and then Sunday night the revival? No, I said, you wouldn't get over your backsliding by Sunday night. I said, no, if you don't mean it's the main time you got a crowd and you got the Sunday school to bring them in, you don't mean it, then you don't mean enough for God to be interested in you. If you did all the time, then you know, not much of the time. You see that? So people ought to win souls. He to go forth and weep it. Why don't you say, by God's grace, I'm going to do it? Why don't you set aside time to do it? And say, but God help me, I'm going to set out to win souls. Would you think so? Again, I'm asking. Don't you think every Christian ought to do it? Don't you think every Christian ought to do it regularly? You ought to be on the lookout for somebody every day. But you ought to have part of the day, part of the time, you set aside and go and do it for the fine amount, I'm going to look them up. Run them down. You may have to go to the hospital, find some. You may have some prospects cards that already know unsaved. You may have to sit right down the street and see if every house on the block and keep a record of where you've been and find out every case who's there and pray in every home and talk to every sinner. You know? But you can do it. If you set out, you know what the command is? Preach the gospel to every creature. You mean everybody in town? Yeah, and everybody out of the town too. That's what it's planning. You know, people like to talk about the Great Commission for foreign missions. That's a lazy way of getting out doing what God said, get people next door. See? That's wrong. As far as any so-called mission program, don't give a hoot about the people around next door, is a sorry kind of an excuse. You know that? Main thing, get people saved. You get enough people saved around you, and you get somebody else counter going out to the others too. Um, how many believe if you, according to this scripture, if you went earnestly, burdened, and uh, ever looking for people, and set aside a certain time. Have a time study, time to go to Sunday school, time to go to your work, yeah, and time vacation. Once you set a time for it, at least every week set apart certain hours you're going out to win souls. Don't you know you can win somebody every week? Huh? Don't you think you ought to? A preacher, I don't know, you man's got a job, but I know people that have got a job working eight hours a day and get out and win uh, on average a good deal more than one a day. There was a fellow fine here now in school with Dr. Tom Malone. What a soul winner he is. I wonder how many say, Brother Ross, I believe that's right. And God help him, I'm going to set out to win somebody every week. That means you might have to talk to several. 
And if you want a fellow to come down the aisle with you, now some of us going to live 20 miles away and won't get there Sunday, so you better get to a several to three saved, hadn't you? How many said, I believe God wants me to get somebody saved every week, and I'm going to set out to, I mean this week, I mean next week, I mean next week. How many said, I believe that's right, and I believe, you want to be a good Christian, Bible kind of Christian? Okay. How many believe that's right, and I ought to win somebody every week, I'm going to set out to try to do it. Let's see your hand. Would you do that? Would you do that? Isn't that right? And God bless you young people, too, because some of them do good for winning. What about that? Would you do that? God bless you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.